I will try my best to ignore that from now and they can edit. Uh, our topic this morning praying on purpose is what I've got a title but first we should pray Um, our topic is an interesting thing pastor asked about speaking and then sent possible topics this very thing had been on my heart for a number of weeks leading up to that when I saw this Got it. That that's it right there. And the process in my mind was, as we mature in our walk with the Lord and in our ministry that He has entrusted to us, the very real temptation exists to become skilled and self-sufficient. Uh, I can do it. We've done this before. We're confident we can do it again. There, in, in, in one sense, it's not a bad thing. However, there are principles in Scripture that point us to our continued need for dependence on the Lord and His Holy Spirit for ministry. And here's the key. Ministry that will have an eternal impact. I can minister. was to establish weekly prayer meetings. And the Lord blessed and brought revival and so forth through His ministry. So if you want to, and I don't know if I put it on on the sheet or not, but uh, kind of as an, an overall statement that we must remember in our praying as we prepare for ministry is we are simply messengers and we're going to look at a couple of passages of scripture regarding this but we are simply messengers dependent upon the Lord for the message which is what the scripture we're dependent upon the Lord for the message we're dependent on the Lord for the power in effective delivery that's his Holy Spirit working through us And then we're dependent on the Lord for the reception of His message. A person can't change another person. Only God can. 
And so we have to be dependent upon Him. Do we really depend on the Lord in the ministry that He has entrusted to us? So, let's pray. Father, we are mindful of Your greatness, the awesomeness of Your person, and the tremendous privilege and even responsibility that You've entrusted to us as Your children, as Your servants. We're mindful also, Father, that without You we can do nothing. So guide in our time together this morning that we might accomplish Your purposes for Your glory in Your strength and in Your power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. Kind of an interesting passage of Scripture here where the Lord is looking at the priests and He is saying, look, you you failed in these things. You, you haven't been faithful in the ministry of the Word. You haven't been faithful in teaching the people. In verse 7 there it says, the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. That's a, that's a lesson. <laughs> You're going to practice what you preach? Keep knowledge. Okay? The people should seek the law from his mouth. He should be one that is speaking forth God's truth. I should be able to go, if I'm an Israelite here, I should be able to go to the priest, find God's truth from his mouth. For he is the, what? Messenger of the Lord of hosts. What is characteristic of a messenger? He is carrying what? The obvious. A message. Is it his or is it someone else's? It's someone else's. So what has, you know, he has to be faithful in giving out the message that has been entrusted to him. And the authority lies not in the, what? messenger but in the one who has sent him the reason I picked this there has to be then that communication with the sender and I hope that that kind of permeates our our thoughts as we go through it if you go into New Testament scriptures in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, and I'm going to just paraphrase it real quickly, it says, we have this treasure. So we can say we have this message in earthen vessels. In vessels of clay. Uh, when Holly was commissioned as a missionary, uh, we had a, a clay jar. And, and a lady had written on the outside, calligraphy really pretty, put that verse on there. We have this, tre- uh, this treasure in earthen vessels of, and so forth that the glory might be of God and not of us and so forth. When she got to Ukraine, she found that in her travels there, it had cracked. And she was di- disappointed until she realized what? It's about the message. It's not about the vessel. She says, now I'm kind of glad it's cracked. Because it shows the frailty of the human 
person and that that jar can crack and and we we can still we're 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 good because it's the message that is important and turn with me to one more passage and and this I would love to spend a lot of time on but we're not uh, Ezekiel chapter 2 This has been a, a just a an, a an exciting passage for me uh, in regard to the delivery of the message. Now, hopefully, if you're a teacher or you're a preacher or you're whatever, if you're ministering to somebody, they have a soft heart and not a hard heart. But here, it just simply says to Ezekiel, God is saying, He has said. In, in beginning there in verse 1, he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet. I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me. To this very day, they are an, they are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them. And you shall say to them, so what is Ezekiel? He is a messenger, and God is giving him the message. Thus says the Lord. We're messengers dependent upon the one who is sending us. Therefore, we must pray. And so I've divided it up into a number of, of categories or, or, or situations Prayer during preparation. So when I am beginning to prepare my lesson, or I'm beginning to prepare my sermon, am I praying? And and I'm going to start with, for me, and these are all very personal with me. So just so you know, these are all very personal with me. And, and I don't necessarily follow a outline as I'm, I'm working through this, but these things are real as I am working through the preparation of a lesson or a sermon or a message or anything like that. Uh, a prepared heart. Ezra 7.10 Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. He prepared his heart. How do we prepare our heart? Now I'm going to read a verse, and I've got these here. I, I, I don't go through and time the, the, the lesson, so I don't know you. But in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 9, but particularly verse 6, it says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads, and they what? They worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. What is worship? If I'm going to sum it up real quick, it is simply a submission to the Lord. I am submitting myself to Him. I'm going to worship Him. He is the one who is exalted. He is the one who is great. He is the one to whom I come for my instruction. My, they worship. In that worship, and in, in I see that as prayer. I'm, I'm submitting myself to Him. I'm worshiping Him. So part of the preparation of the heart is that worship of the Lord. Continuing in that same frame, if I am worshiping the Lord, I am also then confessing who He is 
and I am confessing who I am. I am confessing my need. I'm coming to Him for in worship. That will also include the confession of sin. So if I am preparing my heart to seek the law of the Lord, I'm preparing my heart to to study God's Word, I need to come worshiping. I'm going to submit. Part of the problem that, that we have in, in our, our teaching, and I'm going to say overall, not necessarily your problem or whatever, but part of our problem is we have an idea what we want to teach and we want to find a scripture that we want to plug into it. If we start with a prepared heart where we're worshiping, then we're going to say, well, what I find in the scripture is what I am going to teach. I'm going to be a faithful messenger. But if I have a stubborn or rebellious or proud heart, <laughs> I'm going to teach what I want to teach. You know what? I'm going to teach. I'll make this scripture fit my idea. No, I submit. I worship. I submit to his thoughts. I submit to his idea. And I do that through prayer. In uh, in the same passage in verse 8, in Nehemiah 8, 8, it said, it read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense. And again, it, it goes back to that, I'm the messenger, I'm explaining the truth. That's our ministry. I'm explaining the truth and it caused them to understand the reading. So I'm preparing my heart through prayer. The confession of who God is, who I am, my personal need, the confession of sin, and simply submitting myself to Him as His messenger. I have a prepared life. I so appreciated this session that that we looked at, the life, uh, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Is my life an example of what I am going to be teaching and particularly in the area of prayer? In 2 Peter chapter 5, and some of these I'm going to make the assumption that you're familiar with the passage, and if you're not, just holler at me and and, and we'll go there. But 2 Peter chapter 5, why did I put 2 Peter? There aren't even five chapters in it. It should be 1 Peter. Maybe it's 1 Peter in your notes and 2 Peter in mine. But anyway. <clears throat> what is it? It's talking about the elder. And he says, The shepherd of the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not dishonest gain eagerly, but be, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being what? Examples. Examples. So a prepared love. I'm to be an example for the ones that are hearing or are listening or are a part of the ministry. First Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy what? Be an example of a believer. I appreciated too what was said earlier. James chapter 1 verse 22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Many times we measure, and this is kind of a mantra of mine, but we measure spirituality by how much we know. Oh, that person really knowledgeable. But you know, how much does the Lord measure spirituality by? How much do we do that we know? Are we really putting into practice in our lives what we are doing? So, prayer during preparation is going to involve 
what the prepared heart it's going to involve the prepared life and the prepared message the prepared message Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 and 19 oftentimes are left out when you do a study of the armor of God which is a shame you go through the whole armor of God and and he says you know uh, verse 17 you take the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and then he says what praying always praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel he is simply saying you keep praying in the preparation of this message you keep praying so that I will open my mouth boldly and I will be a messenger who will clearly speak forth the word of God not real complicated and I have told students for years it's not rocket science it's clearly spelled out it's not that complicated it's simple it is difficult in the discipline of putting it into practice you heard that this morning as well well I don't have time we must take time to pray 2nd Timothy chapter 4 what did Paul tell Timothy that he was to do now you want to put verses 1 through 8 or the, the ones in there he says what preach the word preach the word what in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine you're going to be preparing the message you're going to preach the word you're going to give out the word of God but it must be given out bathed in prayer now we're going to get to some of the specifics in just a little bit Um, prayer to speak with boldness and confidence the word of God because the authority rests in God's word not in man's ability or his confidence in speaking the power is not in man the power is in the word of God and the Spirit working through. And so we must be in contact with the sender of the messenger. We must be in in connection with the Lord. And then a prepared mind is necessary as well. This is probably one of the most difficult areas as far as prayer. And you (laughs) you can verify or you can deny or however. But when you pray... And you sit down to pray. Does your mind ever wonder? <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't pray at the beginning of the day. But you ever go to, I begin to begin to pray, and then it's like, oh man, I gotta do, I gotta remember to do, I gotta do. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be praying. You know, <laughs> let's get back, get back to the, the discipline of mind. In first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter ten, he says, "What bring every thought into captivity? Control that mind, discipline that mind. I have to prepare that mind, and it's going to be done through prayer." Uh, James chapter one and, and verse eight says that the double mind, double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. 
He, he wavers like a, a wave in the sea. He's tossed to and fro. He's, so stay focused. Stay focused. So I'm preparing a message. Lord, keep my mind on the work that I'm doing. Lord, keep my mind focused on this, your word that I'm working through and working with and working on. Lord, and again, it's not a formula necessarily as much in my mind anyway as it is a communication continually with the Lord who is my sender and I am simply the message messenger. And I need to be knowledgeable and studied in the Word of God. From a child, Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 10 and 15, he said, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto something. He says, You've known these things from, from childhood. You need to study. In, in chapter 2 and verse 15, he said, What? Be diligent. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And that word study there, be diligent in rightly dividing the word of truth. If I'm going to be diligent in that, what do I need? I need Holy Spirit wisdom, so I need to ask the Lord. If we understand God's goals in ministry, Changing hearts for His glory, we also must understand that to have a changed heart, God needs to speak truth into that person's life. And it's God who has to do it, not me. So who am I going to be dependent upon? I'm going to be dependent upon the Lord. Oh, I've got this. I mean, I got this lesson down. I can, I can, I can put this all together. No, I'm dependent on the Lord. Probably the biggest danger. This is kind of a side note, but probably the biggest danger is to have experienced God working in somebody, and then thinking, "Yeah, I did a pretty good job on that," and I get proud in myself and fail in the next time. To depend on the Lord. So, first thing, prayer during preparation. Now, prayer for people. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says, again, kind of a paraphrase on it, but it says what? Praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. As you are preparing a message as you are preparing a lesson do you pray that the student that the recipient will have open uh, open understanding to receive what is is going to be presented if there isn't holy spirit opening of the eyes and who can do that the holy spirit only god can do that and how do we how, how do we initiate that? How do, how do we we pray? Just like Paul prayed, Lord, that, that their eyes would be open, that they would be able to understand, to be able to grasp that truth, they'd be able to see with spiritual vision these truths that they grasp. It. And you, you teachers, you you know what it's like. You're you're explaining something, and the light goes on, and you see it in their in their countenance, you see it in their face. 
You don't really see the light bulb above their head go, you know, but it's that picture. I don't know, you get excited about that? Well, I do. I substitute taught yesterday in, in uh, middle school math class, you know, and, and I was helping a kid with a graphing situation, pre-algebra kind of thing or whatever, and all of a sudden they got it, and it was like, oh, this is just so cool. <laughs> Even if it is math, you know. <laughs> but spiritual understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. So what, what do I need to do? I need to do like the Apostle Paul. I'm preparing this lesson, Lord, but you know, it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon you giving them the enlightening of your spirit in their heart and in their, in their mind. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Important passage of Scripture. Important. Again, here, you're going to pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then that they would walk worthy. They'll be able to put it into practice. Pray specific Scripture for those students who are going to hear. I'm praying for the student. I'm praying for the person. I'm praying for the people. Acts chapter 17. In verse 11. They went by night to Berea. So we're talking about the Bereans. They were fair mind, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find whether these things were so. Is what you give a student going to be all that they need? Or would you pray that it would stimulate an interest in and a continuing in the searching of Scripture and, and the raise some questions in their mind and they say, well, I'm going to go back, excuse me, I'm going to go back to the Scripture and I'll find out if these things are really that way. I'm, I, I need to search this out. Maybe I should have called it and said, search the Scripture, give them a hunger for the Word. And then finally in, in this section in praying for people in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, or chapter 1, verses 2, and then chapter 2 and verse 13, it talks about the effectual working of God's Spirit in their lives. The effectual working of God's Spirit. So, reading the Scripture says, We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and so forth there. And then in verse chapter 2 and verse 13, For this reason we thank God without ceasing, because you have received the word of God which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God which also, what? effectively works in you who believes. And again, the emphasis being what? I'm a messenger. I have the message from the Lord. I have His Word. His Word will be effective. 
but it must be accompanied by and implemented by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do I get that? Through prayer. So I'm praying. As I'm preparing, I am praying for the people. I don't know if I remember to say this in the second one or not, but (laughs) do you picture people in your mind as you're preparing the message? As you're preparing the... Not, you know, I hope this person is here because they really need it. (laughs) You know, I hope this one's here because, well, this point is just for them. When I have had those thoughts, nine times out of ten they don't show up. Which is probably a good thing because you know it would not be good. But but I should have people in my mind, in my heart. You know what? This person has trouble understanding. How am I going to communicate effectively so that they can understand the Word of God? Uh, we do. I do some speaking in in Bible camps, and I usually get the junior kids. 8 to 12 year olds because nobody else wants them. <laughs> no. I get maybe it's cuz that's where my mind is stuck. But anyway, uh, I get so when I'm preparing a lesson, I say, "Okay, now how does a third grader, fourth grader, how do, how do they process? How do they understand these things?" So that the word of God can work effectually in their lives and in their hearts so they can understand. And what I find interesting in that is as I prepare for children, it communicates very effectively with adults. And that's kind of interesting, but it does. You know, um, I'm, I'm... interim pastor at Crossway Bible Church now. There are some little kids that come and follow us after church anyway. Like So a couple of Sundays ago I was going through a message and I was looking at reviewing and going over it and I thought, okay, now how is that going to communicate with these kids? I need to get somewhere where it's on their level where they understand just a little bit. And then the adults come up afterwards. Oh man, that was so clear. That was so good. That's like... Okay, you know, uh, but to pray about those children having the understanding, pray for the people. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of preparing a lesson. Do I stop and pray? No, I don't. You can if you want. However, that works in your life. But I don't. I, it's just as I'm going through this, as I'm working through this, I'm praying. So, Lord, enlighten their eyes, give them understanding, fill them with that wisdom. Give them a hunger for God's Word. Caveat in here, or add, if I don't have a hunger for God's Word, I will not communicate that hunger to those that I am speaking to. So I have to hunger for God's Word as well. Third one. Prayer before presentation. And I want us to turn to to 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter. Probably a passage that we're very familiar with. And and one one of the things about conference in in a church, we're we're not going to be talking about anything new. 
We're just going to be reminded of things that we already know. What does he say here in this passage? And how would this then, and you can give me some feedback on this, how would this then affect how I pray? And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not without... Were not with with per, I'll get it out. Were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but what, in the power of God. Now I've got some things written down, but how how would that passage of scripture affect your preparation? In, in, in getting ready to present your lesson and your praying. Maybe I'll rephrase it this way. What specifics would you pray for? Very good. It's not about me. It's not about me. centered instead of God centered I mean that, that's what's going through my mind it becomes very man centered very man uh, well let me throw this out then I like to use object lessons I mean I, I use I've got one object lesson on trust that uses a rat trap uh, it's over at Berean in their chapel, and call the kid up, and you know, there's his trap, and he sticks a pencil in there, and the trap snaps down and breaks the pencil in two, and it goes flying. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And then I reset the trap differently, but he can't, he doesn't really notice. He's not paying that. Now stick your finger in there. Trust me, it won't hurt you. <laughs> hey, you wouldn't do it. 
And it finally took a little girl to come up and stick her finger in there. <laughs> so is that is that a distraction? Is that something that, that shouldn't be used then? Or is... You're shaking your head no. You learn through, I mean, not just listening, but through your eyes and through other means. Is there any difference when it says my own words? I guess what I'm saying is, when you're talking about an object lesson, what's the difference between an object lesson and just me saying a sentence that's my own words and not the Bible verse? Like, if you're going to be, if you're going to even preach a sermon instead of just reading verses and verses mm -hmm. from the Bible, well, in terms of, a, I don't know, like there's difference. It, it says obviously it says my own words, so it's basing it. If it's based in something else that's not from the Bible, okay. <laughs> okay. And and I think that goes back to what I referred to very quickly in Nehemiah chapter 8. They read the scripture and then they did what? They gave the interpretation or the meaning of it. They gave the sense of They explained this is what it means. This is what God is saying to us. Well, if this is what God is saying to us, what do we have to do? We have to know the Word, but we also have to pray that God gives us understanding as well and then gives us the ability to enlighten the eyes of the people through His Spirit so they understand the Word. And an object lesson should not then become the focus of the whole point or the whole lesson or the whole thing, but it should be an aid in understanding. Pardon? Parables. Parables. Very good. I was going to say the Lord used illustrations. And all. He did. And I eventually would get, would get to that. But yeah, he, what did he do when he said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom? He took a child and set him on the lap. Now, what rabbi would do that? You know, this is not going to happen. Look, the, the fields, they're white unto harvest. So everyday, everyday things. I pray, as well, in all that presentation, and all of those things, Lord, do you want me to have an object lesson? And if you do, give it to me. Because when I go to camps, I like, I like to think, you know, camp is a bit different than just preaching in a, in a service. And they, kids come to camp to have fun. Be honest about it. Well, is the Word of God boring? Can it be fun without being sacrilegious? I believe it can. And, and I think a part of that is an object lesson. It's something that goes along with it that puts a visual in their mind concerning a truth from God's Word. So, yeah. And I think that's that's critical. That's key. Yeah. To speak on their level. When, when he puts in here, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom. He is looking at the eloquence of a speaker who draws attention to their eloquence. 
Now again, our brother this morning used some words from the Greek, but what did he do? Did he make you feel stupid because you didn't know them? Or did he explain them in such a way that it gave added understanding to what he was saying and added emphasis to what he's saying? You can use big words, but you have to use them carefully so that you're not using them to exalt yourself and demean those who would hear. And again, it, it's not about me. It's, Calvin says, it's not about me. It's, it's about the Lord. So I'm not depending on my own eloquence. I'm not depending on my own wisdom. Um, I put in here as well. He, he said, I didn't preach anything but Christ and Him crucified. Is it easy to go off on rabbit trails? They could be interesting. I mean, really interesting. Oh man, you wouldn't believe what this is what I found. No, we have to stay focused on what? The message that's there. What's going to keep us focused there? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this, and you get tired, but it's what the session is about. You keep that focus through your communication with the sender of the message. And then the enticing words and, and so forth is manipulation. And again, that just I, I want a desired result that I can see. And there, there there would be there would be. There are many more things that we could dig out of this passage of scripture as well. But I think, again, we have an example in the early church uh, of how this should work. Um, Paul gives us the instruction here or, or explains how he did not come. If you go back in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 4, we're going to look at two verses here, and then we're going to go on to the next uh, to the next section there, praying while preaching or teaching. I, I told a lady that on Wednesday night, and she says, you mean you can multitask? I said, well, you need to come to session and find out. But she didn't come. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, verse 29, what does it say that they, that they did? Now, Lord, look on their threats. I just simply put in there, they lifted their voices to God. What are they doing? Now, Lord. Okay, who are they addressing? They're addressing the Lord, so what are they doing? They're praying. In verse 31, when they had prayed, what happened? The place <laughs> Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? We have prayer meeting at Newton Bible Church, and when we get done praying, the building's shaking. I don't know that it literally was that or as much as that emotion of we've been in the presence of the Lord. And it and it's it's a moving experience. It's shaking. I made it literally, I take it literally, it was shaken. They were filled and, and here's another awesome thing. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't say anything about the manifestation of tongues or anything like that. It does say what? They were filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word with boldness after they did what after they prayed how 
how important is it then that as we are preparing, that we are what? Praying. We want the moving of the Spirit. We want the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Then we must pray. We must pray. And the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did any of them, and so forth. They didn't, the, 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 verse 33, great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Result of prayer. Prayer while preaching or teaching. <laughs> when you are teaching, can you be thinking ahead? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> if you're not, you know. <clears throat> and, and the more skilled, and it is a skill, the more skilled you become in teaching or preaching, the easier it is to be planning ahead or thinking ahead or to working, you know, working when you are doing that, are you praying? Have you ever, and, and this is a, a revelation to you from me, have you ever thought while you are teaching, while you're preaching, while you're presenting, you know, I'm doing pretty good at this. This is really going well. I have got this thing under control. My most graphic one of that is in singing, not in preaching. But I was singing, a song I was very familiar with, and my thoughts went, man, I'm doing pretty good. And I looked down at my music, and it was like there were two sheets of blank paper. I lost my place completely, absolutely, and was so thankful that the pianist knew the music well enough to start singing until I found my place. <laughs> It happens. Oh, and I have never forgotten it. <laughs> Obviously, it happened shortly after we were married 40-some years ago. Rather, we should be thinking John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And that should be the prayer of our heart while we're going. So Lord, it's going well, but thanks to you, and without you, I'm not going to accomplish anything of eternal value. Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, I need Jesus. This is under B if you're looking in your notes there. I'm terrible about following. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. And I must depend upon the Lord. we got about three minutes left. Prayer following proclamation. So after I've presented, now what? Man, I'm done. It's over. What a relief. I'm out of here. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 I'm, I'm going to go through these without going to the passage and then we go back to them. We have time. The specifics of the message applied. 
pray that there would be the application of God's truth in the lives of those who have heard. It's not good enough just to hear. And then we've already looked at, at just briefly at Colossians 1, 9 through 11. And then it's just simply a pray that there would be a reminder of the message in our walk. We, we need to walk that message. We need to walk that truth that has been in our lives. In 2 Timothy 2 2 and Acts 1 8, pray that the message will be shared. Pray that the message will be shared. We can practice ministry until we get very comfortable with our ability to do it. And we can prayerfully and diligently prepare for ministry, or we can prayerfully and diligently prepare for ministry until we are confident that God will do it through us. So we have, we have two ways that we can go. We can practice ministry until we get comfortable with our ability, or we can depend upon the Lord until we're confident that He will do ministry through us. So we end with the phrase, but first, we must pray. I would encourage you so much in that. It is so awesome. When we have prayed, we have prepared, we, we, we are walking with the Lord, and we communicate God's truth, and we see God at work, and we know that it's God at work and not us. That's the most awesome thing. Comments, questions? I feel like we raced through. <laughs> I was just thinking through that, you know, we, we pray for boldness, not eloquence. Amen. And then, and then God gives us eloquence as He sees fit. Yeah. Right? But it, it, it's not what we... I, I, read, I read this thing one time that said, you know, messages past 15 minutes are pointless because all the research says that's as long as people can maintain focus. And I thought, that's so, so wrong. Not if God's at work in the heart. Yeah. Very good. Very good. We're just simply messengers. It's not out. It's not about us. It's about Him. Well, Lord bless you. Thanks for coming. <clears throat>